What's going on, baseball people? Thank you so much for being here with us on this Friday edition of Fantasy MLB Today, which is, of course, brought to you by Sports Ethos. My name is Joe Orico, and I am your host. You guys can hit me up on Twitter at JoeOrico99. That's J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit me up there. You get all my links to my shows, different threads, other thoughts posted throughout the day. So go ahead, hit the follow button there. And while I got you, we'd really appreciate you guys leaving a positive review on the show, whether it be Apple, Google, Spotify, however it is you consume our show, we'd really appreciate you guys uh, leaving a positive review, ideally a five-star review if you could. It will help us grow uh, in search results, help us, help, us, help us move up in search results, and help us to grow here in the early going of our show. So really appreciate that. It's an easy way you guys can help out and support the show. We're going to be doing a pretty standard show here today, looking back on yesterday's top performers with one player in particular. I think some of you guys know who I'm going to be talking about uh, a lot today. If you guys know about the massive performance from yesterday, that is. If you don't, we're going to fill you in here in a second. We're also going to be looking ahead a little bit at some of today's matchups, and we're also going to take a look at the waiver wire, a couple of major call-ups from the minor leagues, and we're going to go over those. So buckle in. Here we go. We are going to start with might be the biggest fantasy performance we see all season long, and it'll, it'll be pretty hard to top, honestly. Trevor Story last night had an all-time game. Uh, I think the buy-low window completely shut on him last night. It had already been closing because he had hit a couple of home runs recently, and you know overall starting to turn it around a little bit more, uh, stealing some more bases recently. So overall, before yesterday, we'd already started to see this buy low window shut on Trevor Story. Now, after last night, I don't think there's anybody who's going to be selling him for any kind of a discount. He went four for four. He also drew a walk. He had a base hit and then three home runs, scoring five times and driving in seven. And just for fun, he thought he'd steal a base as well. 63.4 points on Yahoo. Uh, an absolute monster of a game for Trevor Story. No no, no other way you can descri- describe it except for an absolute monster performance. And like I said, I doubt we'll see a fantasy game go over uh, 63.4 points again. For, uh, on the Yahoo side, different sites score their... their uh, Different things are worth different values, right? ESPN scoring is quite a bit different than Yahoo, and same with DraftKings and everything else. Trevor's story here uh, was 63.4, and even just if you're looking at category leagues, the three home runs, the five runs, the seven ribbies, the steal, I mean, it's, it's, it's an absolute dominant performance. So if you guys were able to acquire Trevor's story in these last couple of weeks at a, at a discount, and it was probably a fairly steep discount before this last week or so where he's been on a complete tear, stealing four bases. He's hit five home runs going back, well, just over the last week anyway. Um, five home runs. He scored more than 10 times. He's knocked in 15 or so runs. He's really, really coming into his own, it seems, uh, with the Red Sox. So this is a great sign for any Trevor Story managers. And if you did use him in a DFS lineup yesterday, uh, pretty much a guaranteed win. Pretty much guaranteed. I don't. I mean, unless you just were, were brutal with all your other picks and got zeros across the board, you probably won some money yesterday with Trevor Story. So congratulations to you guys who did use him in DFS. Uh, I did not have him in any lineups. And I have not been as on the DFS stuff as I have been in the past. I've had some uh, family stuff. I have a sick family member. So I've been doing this stuff in the morning and trying to do it not as quickly as I can, but as efficiently as I can and do all my fantasy stuff in the morning pretty much. And then the afternoons have kind of been taken up with family stuff. So 
I do plan on getting back into the DFS stuff, uh, hopefully sooner rather than later. Uh, I just wanted to give you guys a bit of an update there because I do still enjoy the DFS stuff. I just haven't been able to devote enough time to it recently that I can give you guys an actual informed opinion on it. So that is why there have been uh, not really many DFS shows recently. So my apologies there for those of you who do play DFS. I have had some inquiries on Twitter, uh, and they will they will be back. Probably next week they will be back, but um, – like I said, there's some family stuff going on, so have to see exactly how much I can get out there. Let's move on to uh, the next performance of the night, and another one who would have been a huge play in DFS last night, Anthony Santander. He went three for four. He had a couple of doubles. He had a home run. Three runs scored, three RBIs, and he also had a walk. Now, he's someone who, to this point of the year, has been kind of disappointing. Uh, he did have a two-home run game last week against the Yankees, or actually earlier this week against the Yankees. Uh, two home run game so he has started to pick it up a little bit here but overall uh, Santander is not really someone who is a target of mine uh, at the moment anyway playing in that lineup there's just not a lot of opportunity for runs and for RBIs uh, and we've seen that he's hit seven home runs but only 18 runs scored and 19 RBIs which I know it's not terrible uh, considering you know guys like Juan Soto with the low RBI numbers it does happen. Uh, I don't think a guy like Santander is going to have too much value rest of the season, so I'm going to be leaving him alone on waiver wires. He's very hit or miss, very streaky player, so uh, I'm not going to be interested in him. The next guy we'll talk about is Mr. Polar Pete Alonzo. He went three for four yesterday, had a couple of base hits, hit a home run, drove in three, had a walk, and also stole a base. Very, very nice stuff from Pete Alonzo. Nothing really to be said here. He's obviously going to be one of your better players if you have him on your team. Hopefully, uh, he'll keep up what he's done to this point. I wouldn't expect too many steals, but you can expect the massive power numbers and huge RBI numbers. He's already at 36 RBIs. So 100 RBI season seems to be very much incoming from Pete Alonso. Uh, a couple other big offensive performances. We had Paul Goldschmidt go three for four. He was a triple shy of the cycle. He drove in four runs. Uh, he has been fantastic this season. After a bit of a slow start, I had mentioned him very early on as being someone you could maybe buy a little bit low on in those first couple of weeks. But now he's got the batting average up to 330, and he's looking like the MVP candidate that we saw all those years in Arizona. So Paul Goldschmidt, yeah, another guy where there's not going to really be a buy low area anymore here. He's just someone you enjoy the value, and he has definitely uh, figured himself out for the season. Luis Robert is another one who had a very nice game, three for four, a couple of base hits. He had a long ball and drove in four, and it was also hit by a pitch. He's another guy who has been one of the better fantasy players to this point on the season. Nothing really too much to be said there in terms of an ad or anything. He's just a solid, solid play. Another home run here from Giancarlo Stanton. He's up to 11 home runs on the season, 35 driven in. And it'd be really nice to see Giancarlo Stanton have a full season of no injuries, being able to play 140, 150 games, and then we'll be able to see him most likely enter the 40 to 50 home run range. It's really incredible uh, for the Yankees to have Stanton, Rizzo, and Judge all performing at the rate that they are. All of them could, could potentially hit 40 home runs. Uh, it's, I mean, it doesn't typically happen, three 40 home run hitters on one team. You occasionally see two. Uh, the Blue Jays had two of them last year in Semyon and Guerrero, and it does happen from time to time. Now, we could possibly see three here. It, it is possible. Uh, and <clears throat> Stanton and Judge, I, I'm fairly certain we're going to see 40 home runs out of them. Anthony Rizzo, we might not. But regardless of that, we're seeing 
I, really the best Yankees lineup we've seen here since I'd say the late 2000s when they had Jeter and Rodriguez and Giambi and Matsui and Cano and Posada, when they had those really ridiculous teams, that team that won the World Series there. I can't remember if it was 2008 or 2009. I think it was 2009 was when they won their World Series. This lineup kind of gives me those vibes. It's not as balanced throughout the entire lineup, but a very, very powerful, top-heavy kind of lineup, which kind of reminds me a little bit anyway of that like A-Rod, Matsui, uh, Jason Giambi kind of trio there. So there, there is a difference, obviously, but same kind of scariness in that lineup. Obviously, once you go down the order, it's not as dangerous. But those three guys have been outrageous to this point in the season. And Stanton, Stanton is someone who really frustrated me as a fantasy player last year because I, I traded for him midseason uh, when he was struggling. And I figured, okay, he's going to turn it around here. And I had him for couple of months and he really didn't produce anything so I traded him and I don't even remember what I got back for him at this point but I, I traded him and I didn't really get much back for him it was it was a lower end player and then he completely went off the second half of the season he ended up I think with 35 home runs after having like 16 heading into the last six or eight weeks of the season or something something like that he really went crazy the last couple months of the season so that goes to show that he can be a bit of a streaky hitter, and he is definitely in one of those streaks right now. Uh, he does tend to cool off, and like I said, there will be streaks with him, and this is definitely a hot streak. So if he does start to regress a little bit and maybe slump a little bit, a lot of people will be trying to move on from him and trade him and whatnot because there's just not a lot of patience there with Giancarlo Stanton. Between the injuries and a bit of inconsistent production over the years, and the power's always been there. It's just a matter of keeping him healthy, really. Uh, and he, and like I said, there are some streaks, and we saw it last year. So don't go and drop him should he regress a little bit. And I'm not forecasting that right away because he's, he's doing very well. But there will be a point in the season, and I'm not sure where exactly, but there will be a two- or three-week stretch where he'll be the worst player on your team, and you'll be thinking, should I just drop him? Should I, should I just pick up a hot free agent? Should I try and trade him and get something back for him? And I'll, we'll revisit it when it happens, because I'm very sure that it will happen. And we will say the same thing. Uh, you're not going to be moving on from him at that point, just because we've seen it happen in the past. So not a worry right now, but just something I wanted to put in your guys' heads for later on, just something to keep in mind as the season goes on. Because there will inevitably be slumping from him, and I don't want you guys to panic like I did a little bit. Let's move on to probably my favorite player this season so far in fantasy. He's not my favorite player in general. That would probably be Mike Trout or Trey Turner. But Tim Anderson has been just phenomenal from points league, category league, whatever format. He's been outstanding to this point. Yesterday, he went two for three. He had a couple of base hits. Two RBIs, two walks, and stole two bases. He's batting 346 on the year with four home runs. He scored 20 times, and he's also stolen seven bases. He's just a fantastic asset to have. Not really too much I'm going to say about him because there's not too much to be said, really. He's batting in a very good lineup. He is one of the better hitters, pure hitters, contact hitters in baseball. And I, I just love having him on my teams. I have him on a couple of different teams. Category and points leagues, and in both cases, he's been one of my more valuable players. So uh, really, really happy to have him anyway. I just thought I'd say that. Uh, let's move on to some of the better pitching performances we saw yesterday. And I think the number one pitching performance of the night was probably Framber Valdez. 
Uh, either him or you, Darvish. And we'll talk about you, Darvish, in a second. Valdez went seven strong, got the victory while striking out seven, giving up one run on six hits and two walks against Texas. Valdez, he had one bad start against the Angels. Other than that, he has not given up more than three earned runs in any outing. The ERA sits at 2.68, and if it, didn't, if it wasn't for that Angels start where he gave up six runs, uh, I'm not great with the mental math, but I'm thinking that ERA would be under two. So for Amber Valdez, some people were dropping him earlier on in the season after a couple of shakier outings where the strikeouts weren't high. But we've seen it the last three times out, seven strikeouts, six, and seven. And yeah, the first couple of games there, we had a three, a three, a two in terms of strikeouts, and people were worried and people were dropping him. If he was dropped in any of your leagues, I doubt that he's still available. But maybe you're in a less competitive league and he was dropped and is still available. Just go check the waiver wire and make sure he's not there because he's definitely going to be, I'd say, a top 25 starting pitcher rest of season. He's very underrated, I think, in baseball circles and in fantasy circles. And honestly, I think it's probably because he doesn't strike out a ton of batters. But everything else is there. The good team checks out. He goes deep into games. The strikeouts aren't terrible. He'll still give you some. Overall, I really like him, and I think he's a strong, strong fantasy asset moving forward. You Darvish, we'll talk about you Darvish for a second. He went seven innings, gave up six hits, and struck out five. No earned runs. Solid, solid performance from you Darvish. Now, I'm not really sold that we're going to see this kind of you Darvish that much this year. He's someone who has worried me. Um, I guess not a lot, but whenever I dig into the numbers and I look a little bit deeper with Darvish, I'm not really impressed. Uh, the velocity's not there. He's not really getting guys to chase. The strikeouts are not where we've seen them in years past. I mean, there's not a lot there to really love. Um, I don't know that we're going to see a, t- a ton of value from him going forward. And I've been advising people when they've been asking me, uh, I think you guys should be tr- trying to trade you, Darvish. And I think this is a great spot to be trading him after a really nice outing against a pretty tough team uh, in the Phillies. I honestly don't think we're going to see too many more starts this season where he does go seven shutout innings. Like I don't know that it'll happen again at all. He has gone seven innings one other time this season. It was against Miami, and he also got the win there. And he has been a bit of a mixed bag. In his good starts, he's been pretty good. Uh, but honestly... I just, I just don't trust him. I just don't trust him based on the age, based on the strikeouts being like very, very down. Every year his strikeout percentage, 31, 27, 27, 31, 29. This year we're at 19. So he's really not fooling guys like he has in years past. He's giving up some pretty hard contact. And honestly, I would be trying to sell very hard today based on last night's outing. Al Quantrill had a pretty solid start for himself. Again, Cincinnati, yes, but still, he went seven strong. Gave up five hits, one earned run, and struck out five. I think he's a guy you stream in in certain matchups. Quantrill, I don't think that he's someone who you need to have on rosters outside of deeper, deeper formats. I like him, but very low strikeouts mixed with a poor team. So far, has equaled one win and a 5.44 uh, strikeouts per nine innings. He's not going to be a massive contributor in any category, really. He'll be fine for ERA and whip most of the time. But I don't think that that's enough that you would bite. <clears throat> based on the low strikeouts, based on the fairly poor team and the lack of wins, I don't think that you can really make a move for him there. Let's talk about Tyler Molly because this is three good starts in a row now for him. 
He went six in the third, giving up just two hits and one earned run while striking out four at Cleveland. He threw 105 pitches, which was just one pitch shy of his season high. And over these last three starts, we have seen him give up one earned run, two earned runs, and two earned runs. After Before that, we had four, three, two, seven, and four. So he's definitely settled down a little bit. And he's had a couple of road matchups these last couple of times out too. So that does play a factor into it. He's not playing in Great American Ballpark. So that is definitely definitely a factor there. Uh, playing on the road, he's not playing in that hitter-friendly ballpark. I think he'll be traded at some point this season. And especially once we see a few more of these solid starts, teams will start to bite. The ERA still sits at 5.23 because of that rather horrendous early season uh, I think his ERA was over 9 at, at a certain point. He's got it down to 5.23. I would expect it to keep going down, and I think he's honestly still probably a bit of a buy-low candidate. Just based on the ERA, I mean, it depends if, It depends on the managers in your leagues. If people in your leagues tend to look at the whole season and look at the ERA as a whole, then you might be able to still buy low on him. There's a lot of people who really look and fixate on fantasy rankings, whether a player is ranked 102 or 406 or whatever the case may be. People really focus on that. Right now in Yahoo Leagues, Tyler Molly is the 706th-ranked player in category leagues. Now, if they dug in a little bit, he's the 64th-ranked player over the last two weeks and 59th over the last week. But over the course of the season, he's still sitting at 706. So you might be able to, depending on your league mates, uh, still acquire him at a lower rate than you should be. So that's something I would look into. Not that he is a must-grab kind of guy, but at the price you can probably get him for right now, I think it's be very smart to try and go out and get him. Zach Allen we'll talk about as well. He went five innings, gave up two hits, one earned run, only striking out four, which was a bit of a concern, but still got the victory here against the Cubs. The ERA is at 1.14 on the season, and despite playing for the Diamondbacks, they've actually been pretty good this year. He's got three wins. Now, I, I figured in the preseason that he was going to turn it around a little bit because he had always been very good up until last year. It was kind of outlier numbers last year. They also brought in a new pitching coach in Brent Strom. Now, he was a major league pitcher himself, and he's been a coach for the Astros, the Royals, um, a couple different stints with the Astros, actually. And whatever he's done, he has done a fantastic job with Gallon, with Merrill and also Madison Bumgarner. I mean, I know Bumgarner is a, is a veteran. He doesn't need to be taught how to pitch, but maybe there's something that he picked up on that he's tinkered with. I'm not too sure exactly what it is, but he has done wonders for that uh, Diamondbacks pitching staff. So going forward, Gallon, Kelly, uh, Bumgarner, I, I like all of them going forward because we've seen the results to this point of the year with all of them. It, it, tends me, it leads me to believe that this is real, that these guys, I mean, specifically with Gallon, it's real. Kelly and Bumgarner, you're a little more skeptical on, especially Bumgarner with his age, although he's not as old as you might think. Um, you're a little bit more skeptical with those guys. But whatever Strom did seems to have really worked with them. So I am totally fine with any of those three guys being on my roster. Um, let's maybe talk about one more guy, Marcus Stroman. He came back off the injured list after missing a couple weeks, and he was not too bad. He went five innings, gave up five hits, uh, two earned runs, and struck out six. I don't know that I could say that he's a good play going forward. If you look at the stat cast numbers, if you just look at his stat cast page, it really, really is enough to make you never want to look at it again. He's giving up a ton of hard hit balls. The hard hit percentage, bottom 5%. The average exit velocity, bottom 10%. Expected slugging and batting average and ERA, all in the bottom 
Only thing that he's really had going for him is the fairly low walk rate of 5.5. Other than that, I don't really see the need to add him. He's on, again, not a very good team. He's not going to give you that many wins this season. And I don't think that he's really going to be worth adding. I mean, he's going to be a guy in certain situations where you can stream. And like yesterday, it was an all right situation for him to stream. But coming off the IL, I wouldn't have even recommended it for yesterday. He's probably rostered in too many leagues. He's rostered almost 70%. So he's someone, honestly, uh, if people are still high on him in your league, then I would go ahead and try and trade him if you can. If not, then maybe hold on, but I'll also be fine with dropping him. I don't see that he's going to have too much value this season, personally. Why don't we talk about a couple of the nicer pitching matchups that we're going to be seeing tonight. And there's honestly not too many to really write home about. For the most part, I mean, there's a lot of starts where there's one good pitcher and one not-so-good pitcher. Uh, let's start with the Astros and the Rangers here. We have Christian Javier and Martin Perez, and both of them I really like. And I talked about Martin Perez on Twitter this morning. So, yes, this is an outlier to this point in the season, a uh, 2.01 ERA. He's never had anything even close to that. But when we dig in, we see that the expected ERA is 2.50. So that kind of backs up the fact that he has improved this year a little bit. And it's a little bit weird. I think he's 31 years old. You usually don't see a pitcher just out of the blue kind of improve at this age. But it does happen from time to time. And he so far has been really good. And a couple other numbers that back that up. He's got a career-high uh, strikeout-to-walk rate, which is 13.8. 13.8 strikeouts per walks. Very good number. He's also yet to allow a home run to this point in the season. So... There are a lot of factors here with Perez that lean me towards the fact that he's better this year than he has ever been. Now, usually that's a big warning sign, red flag, that there is regression incoming, and there probably is a little bit. But with the underlying numbers supporting the data that we're seeing on the surface, I'm pretty okay to pick him up, and I think he'll be a pretty good play the rest of the season in uh, 10 and 12-team leagues. Maybe 10, it might be a little bit iffy, but 12 and deeper for sure, I think that he will be a valuable player. Uh, on the other side, Christian Javier, obviously the better pitcher and obviously a better matchup here. So he'll be still a preferred target there in that matchup. He'll, he's someone who's more or less rostered in most leagues at this point, though. So probably not going to have a chance to pick up Javier. There might be the odd league where you can still find him. But uh, for the most part, probably not. Let me just quickly see. Uh, 54% rostered, actually, on Yahoo. So he's still available. Uh, I would go and pick him up, personally, if he's still available in your league. I haven't seen him in any of my leagues on waiver wire still, but if he is, then he is definitely a viable pickup. Let's, I mean, that, that's pretty much my, my favorite pitching matchup of the night. That's the other ones. There are some good individual pitchers going, just the matchups on the whole. Uh, you're not really seeing too many great ones tonight, and it's another reason why I kind of, wanted you guys to save your ads for the weekend because these last couple of days there haven't really been too many appealing streams let's talk about some of the guys who have been added in quite a few leagues over the last 24 hours or so so nolan gorman is definitely number one on that list he's finally up the 22 year old stud he can contribute right away in the big leagues he's hit 15 home runs in 34 minor league games and he's crushed right-handed pitching he's batting 379 against righties as opposed to 174 against lefties so Good chance we'll see him as a platoon player at first until he really gets comfortable in the major leagues. Very valuable in daily changes leagues where you can put him in and out of the lineup depending on the matchup, depending on if he sits or starts. In a weekly changes league, you're not going to have that kind of luxury early on here. He'll probably be sitting the odd day here and there. 
Um, it will happen. A positive sign, though, uh, if for those of you who are a little bit disappointed by that whole weekly league thing, he will have eligibility at second base along with third because obviously Nolan Arenado is their third baseman. They're not gonna they're not gonna usurp him there for a rookie. Arenado is one of the better defensive third basemen ever. I mean, right now for sure, but ever he is as well. So they're not gonna move him around uh, for the sake of Gorman, who can also play second. He's played second quite a bit this year in the minors, so he'll have that dual eligibility. I think he's someone who's going to be very valuable in 12-team and deeper leagues. And you can even argue in a 10-team league. I haven't been one 10-team league myself where I've had him on an NA slot for a couple of weeks now. And I'm going to be switching him in for Colton Wong, most likely, in that league, just to give you a little bit of behind-the-curtain look there. That's the move I'm probably going to be making. Uh, I haven't quite fully decided if it'll be Wong that I'm dropping, but I'd be okay with that kind of move uh, without digging too deep into it. I think something like that is not going to hurt you too badly. Gorman has quite a bit of potential. Great lineup over there in St. Louis. He probably won't be very high in the lineup to start, but honestly, we'll have to see. I'm not too sure where he'll be batting exactly, and I expect pretty big things from him going forward. So I'm all right with him in 12-team and deeper leagues. We also have to remember that it doesn't always work out for prospects in the early going, so maybe show a little bit of patience those first few games up in the bigs. Uh, Chase Silseth has also been added quite a bit. And I worry that the Athletics are going to start to pick up on him a little bit. This is his second straight start against them. He is not the most impressive pitcher. I don't, I don't know. I think he's pretty okay. But if you look at his numbers, you look at his advanced stats in the minors, they're all right. They're nothing great. He had a very good Major League debut. But considering his age and his experience, I would expect Oakland to probably get on him a little bit more tonight than they did last time out, where I believe it was only one hit he allowed. I wouldn't expect that to happen again. So if you're chasing that last start with a stream here today, I don't think it's that wise. I wouldn't really advise it, to be honest. Matthew Liberatore has also been added quite a bit. He's the Cardinals' number three-ranked prospect, I believe. He will start Saturday at Pittsburgh, which is a nice matchup to debut with. Pirates are not a terribly impressive offense. I think we all know this by now. So he'll be a fine streaming option for Saturday. I don't know that he'll have value the rest of the season. If you look at his numbers in the minors to this point, they're good, but they don't blow you away. And it just gets that much harder once you're in the major league. So I'm not totally sold that he's going to have value the rest of the season. I'd be okay adding him here speculatively and for the stream on Saturday. But also, don't get too attached. Uh, a lot of prospects really struggle. It can be very hard to adapt to major league hitters. And he was not elite in the minor leagues this year. Let's say that. I think his ERA is in the mid threes, mid to upper threes. So he hasn't been elite in the minors. And when you get to the majors, it's just that much harder. You kind of want to start with an elite guy from the minors, and then you're going to see a bit of a regression in the majors. But when you're starting from a point of very good but not great, uh, yes, he's highly touted. But so far, he hasn't really shown that this year. I'd be a little worried about dropping anybody established for him. Michael Waka will return from the injured list, and he will have a pitch limit here today. He's been overperforming to this point in the season. He's got a career-low 139 ERA, and the expected ERA sits in, uh, I think it's 3.26. 3.26 is the expected ERA for Waka. So still a good ERA, but it shows that he's been getting fairly lucky and hasn't really deserved uh, what he has to this point of the 139 ERA. He's also got a career-high walk rate of 11% and a nearly career-low strikeout rate of 19 
I think his lowest was 18 and change a couple of years back. And he's typically someone who hovers in the low 20s for strikeout rate. So it's not a massive drop, but it's definitely still a drop. So with him coming off the injured list, with the regression incoming, Waka's not somebody that I'm going to be too interested in adding here today. I think that we need to really keep our expectations low and know who Michael Waka is. We've all seen him over the last few years. He's okay. He's nothing great. I, I, to this point of the year, he's been fantastic, but especially with the IL stint and the low pitch number incoming here, I'm all right with leaving him on waiver wires. Martin, Martin Perez has also been added quite a bit, but we already talked about him at length. So that will pretty much do it for us today, guys. Really appreciate all you guys listening here to the show. Uh, old viewers and new, I really appreciate all you guys. All the Twitter followers as well, as well very much appreciated. We're over 700 now. Hopefully we'll be at 1,000 uh, during the season at some point here. I'll give you the handle one more time. It's at JoeOrico99, so J-O-E-O-R-R-I-C-O-99. Hit the follow button there. You never miss any shows or any threads. And also hit the subscribe button on the show. Even if you can't listen to the show one day, we're hoping you're still downloading it and maybe catching up on it another time. So with that being said, I hope you guys have a very successful weekend for fantasy. Of course, the DMs are always open if you guys have any questions. And we'll see you on Monday. I hope everybody has a great weekend. Cheers.